Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. Today, I have podcast OG Larry Roberts in the house. He is a best-selling author, top-rated course creator, and all-around thought leader. He is launching his new podcast, One Big Win, where we are going to be talking about mindset, mission, mastery, and his journey as a whole, how it brought him to this point. Tons of great information around the power of showing up and lean into the end when he gives his one piece of advice for anyone out there looking to get to their next uh, varsity level. Enjoy. Thanks, Larry. This is a great conversation. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Today is a great day. We have the Larry Roberts in the house, uh, founder and creator of One Big Win Podcast. We're into a new brand, but Larry is an OG in the podcast arena. I'm super excited to have a much anticipated conversation with him. It was very serendipitous how we met, which we'll talk about. Uh, And then we're going to talk about the power of showing up because I think the humans that continue to show up are the ones that reap the rewards, foster connections, and the path kind of lays out. I think it's a super, super powerful thing in life. And we're going to unpack that because Larry is a varsity shower upper, if that's a thing. Um, So without further ado, Larry, welcome to the show. Give us a little 411 on, on, on the Larry. What is happening, everybody? I am Larry Roberts and the host of the One Big Win podcast. Uh, been in the game now for about five years, and One Big Win is going to be my third show. First show was just a lot of fun and kind of getting my feet wet in the game. The second show was readily random, and I've been on that, you know, with that brand for about two, two and a half years, something like that. And that was the brand that I was with when Kristen and I met. Uh, and I'm just now actually today is what the 10th of October that we're recording this and I'll be going live with the new podcast on 11 one. So I'm pretty excited about that. It, very exciting. Uh, and, and that's, it, it's so crazy. Uh, I stand in very humble waters as far as podcasting. I'm just about, I'm over a year in and learning so much. And I, and I know it will continue to be a learning process. Um, but before I get into Larry's journey, I just want to talk about how we met because I do think that whatever you believe, universe, God, Madonna, as I always say, looks out and jumping into the pod fest or pod, uh, podcast game. I was super raw. One of my other friends is a new podcaster and she said, come to this event pod fest. And I'm like, dude, I don't know anyone. I'm barely, <laughs> barely a podcaster, but I knew just going there. Like I just had this gut instinct. I'm like, just show up. And ironically, there was another new podcaster that saw somebody on social media. And she's like, we're doing a meetup, come down. And I went down to the lobby and there was no chairs by that initial group. So I just happened to sit down next to Larry. And I of course had a cup of tequila cause it was, you know, five o'clock slash 10 a.m. somewhere. And um, we were walking down and I sat next down to him. And I, I think within like the first 10 words, it was like, hey, I'm Kristen. And hey, Larry, and we were sitting up across from two other varsity podcasters, the Pod Town School. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, I don't really drink. And I'm like, perfect. Well, my show is called Turmeric and Tequila and I'm drinking tequila. So it was really funny. But from that initial, you know, random meeting, Larry has involved me in PodMax and Propelify thing going on right now and just has been incredible as far as 
introduced me to all these really amazing human beings and people that are really working hard and doing it right in the podcast arena. So it's like I said, universally looked down. I felt so blessed to cross paths with Larry. And not only that, I think our personalities really aligned. Cause like by day two, he was like, thanks for dressing up and was like kind of talking crap and like shooting the shit. I'm like, perfect. We're going to get along. So great. Um, it's been a really wonderful thing. So Anyways, Larry, tell us how, tell us, unpack the background of how, give us Larry, like personal world, how you ended up in podcasting. Man, I ended up in podcasting because I was going down a route originally uh, of voice acting. I'd been going to school to be a voice actor, uh, taking an intermediate and advanced class. So I thought I was really a voice actor by this time. I, I voiced a video game or two that probably sold like two copies a piece. Uh, so I don't know that it even counts. But the, the thing is, I had a guy that was going, man, you got to listen to this Joe Rogan cat. And as a fight fan, I know who Joe Rogan is. I've known who Joe Rogan is for years and years and years. And um, I just wasn't interested in hearing his show going on and hearing him talk about smoking weed and this and that. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I did all that back, on the, back in the day. I don't need to hear about it again. Um, but then I finally broke down and I listened. And I was blown away at the things they were saying. It was uh, just, uh, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. They were dropping bombs. They were making innuendos. They were anything. And it was no holes barred uh, conversations. And it was just great. Uh, I kind of have a history of the old mouth getting me in trouble a little <laughs> bit because a lot of times there's no filter. And when I saw what they were doing unfiltered, uh, I was I was just amazed. I was blown away. And I said, this is something that I got to get into. I got to start doing this right now. And that's when I launched my very first show. And uh, it was very, very similar. It was a comedy-based show, but it was very blue. You know, a lot of profanity, a lot of innuendos, a lot of, a lot of locker room talk, if you will. <laughs> uh, it was just a good time. Was, I had a co-host. We were tearing it up. We were rocking and rolling. Uh, he ended up going on to do great things in the comedy scene. Right now, he's on tour with Eddie Griffiths. He's opening nice. for Eddie, like, right today, right now. Well, maybe not now. It's, it's still a little early in the day, but uh, he will be tonight. So it's, uh, it's, it's something cool to see him go off and grow in his arena. And it's also been kind of fun to sit back and see my own growth in this arena. So what I ended up doing was kind of evolving into a show that I wanted to give back a little bit. I wanted to make a contribution. I wanted to do something more than there's only so many, can I say dick jokes? You can do whatever you want. It's turmeric and tequila, man. Anything okay. you want here. Well, you can only tell so many dick jokes before, you know, you've told all the dick jokes you can tell. So, uh, Well, you know, I had grew up with three younger brothers, right? So, I mean, come at me. Like, yeah. what do you got? Man, we, there's no telling where we would take it. We had porn stars <laughs> on. We had uh, Oh, okay. Called, yeah, we had a group called Cream out of Canada. They did a, a theme song for us. Uh, it was, I mean, we, we, it, was, it was nuts. Uh, but it was a no it was intended. A yeah. Well, yeah, that too. So, but we had a blast, but it ran its course, you know? And again, I was at that point where I wanted to do something that, that had a little more value that had a little more depth. And, um, I had always used the name readily random, uh, dating all the way back to MySpace. I had a blog called readily random on MySpace, And, uh, for some reason I thought the name was kind of cool and I thought, well, I can recycle that and use it as a podcast. So that's what I did. I founded the Readily Random podcast 
actually launched it as a business, Readily Random Media LLC, which I still use as my primary business and uh, went down that path. And it was an ever evolving path that, I mean, I've had so many different people on the show. I've had Jamie Kennedy, the comedian. I've had Satima Nali, who was a Super Bowl champion with the Patriots. Uh, I've had Mark Victor Hansen of Chicken Soup for the Soul and Mitzi Purdue, who runs, or she inherited Purdue Farms. You've probably eaten some of her chicken before. Uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those, I just, I, I just got just this slew of guests that were just tremendous, tremendous guests. And I had so much fun learning and evolving from them. Uh, it ended up kind of going more towards an entrepreneurial type podcast. And that was a ton of fun. And, and I enjoyed it a lot. However, one of the things that I learned from Readily Random is if you're going to start a podcast, you uh, want that podcast to tell people what that podcast is about. And Readily Random leaves people going, scratching their domes, going, do I want to listen to this? Or what is I don't even know what it is. So this time, I let Readily Random run its course, and I'm launching one big win. Hey. We take moments in our lives put them into motion and puts us on our path to mastery. So moments, motion, mastery, that's what one big win is all about. And uh, that's what we're going to do with it. So I'm very, very excited and happy to be here. I love it. I'm, I'm super excited to see, um, how it transitions. And I think one big lesson for anyone listening, whether you're a podcaster or not, uh, is being open to evolution and constantly learning. And it, particularly right now, we're in a world where everything's changing. I mean, with COVID and even without COVID, you see how much more our young people are dependent on technology and businesses are changing. Consumers are consuming differently. Like, it's just so important to say a student of the game. And, and that's something I liked about getting into podcasting. is like, I was learning something all over again. And it's been a minute since I was in that space. Uh, and it's, that process continues. So that in itself is a skill set. So I think that's a major takeaway that, you know, you said you kind of mastered it in different arenas. And yet now here we are um, taking on a new challenge and dilating even more. I'm curious to see where Tumor and Tequila goes. And I know what we had discussed this on my podcast. You're like, what are the challenges with that and niche? And I'm like, listen, I didn't, as a brand professional, I didn't really know where it was going to stick. I just knew that was such an authentic uh, brand, if you will, namespace and literally quite you know, a description of my world. Uh, if it stuck, it stuck. If it didn't, but I just, I just cared about authenticity. So I, ironically, I think maybe as a unique one off of Tumor Cantilla has kind of worked every time I wear this shirt, like at the dog park or something else, people are like, I love it. Yeah. Like they get it. They don't even know what it is. They're like, yes. Like maybe like tumor, maybe like, like, like tequila, maybe they just, who knows what <laughs> so for some reason it makes sense to them. So I, right. I, I'm hoping it somehow like sticks in the right way. Um, but if not, it, it's authentic. So I'm excited to see where one big win goes. And with this slew of, you know, really incredible guests that you're getting to come on and that you've done, what are you most looking forward to um, as you launch one big win? Is it the guests? Is it the new conversations? Like what's, what's the exciting point? The most exciting point, I should say. Straight up winning. That's it. I'm just hey. I'm to win. No, um, I am excited about winning as well. I, I want the show to be very, very successful and I'm hopefully putting everything in place to make that happen. But the, the big thing that I'm really looking forward to is putting more of me out there. In my first show, there was a side of me, which was just my little kid side and, and, and having a good time. Readily Random focused on the guests and the guests made the show. I was using the guests to promote the show. This time, I'm going to have guests as well, 
but I'm also going to put myself out there. I'm going to introduce the world to Larry. Uh, I, I firmly believe that if anybody has experienced big wins and big losses, I've pretty much run the gamut on both. Uh, I, I mean, it's just one of those situations, man, for, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. Uh, my upbringing was very uh, interesting. Uh, high school was definitely different. Everything to me is definitely different. And uh, I, I seem like a unique cat. So I think what I'll end up doing is sharing a lot of my stories as well and kind of giving you an insight into just your average everyday cat being me uh, going for it and realizing, oh, here's an opportunity for me. It's just like starting the podcast itself. You know, I'm, I'm seizing a moment or I'm taking this moment that it was an idea that popped in my head. So I'm going to take that moment. Now I'm going to put it into motion by pushing it out there and going live with a brand new podcast. And doing so is going to continue me not only on the path to my own life mastery, but to podcast mastery as well. Now, something that I'm kind of struggling with, and maybe even you can help, Kristen, is that, you know, I've, I've had a couple people ask me, go, are you sure you want to put mastery at the end of your subtitle? Because isn't that implying that you are a master? And yes. Yes, to a degree. Not to cut you off, but carry on. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 that's cool. Uh, yes, it is if you reach that point. But mastery in, in what I'm going to convey is, is a journey. It's a path. And you're following that path in an effort to realize your mastery in whatever it is that you're doing, whether it be, I think there's a, which side is it? Yeah, there's a karate belt back here, black belt back here. You know, was I a master when I got that black belt? No. Did I start learning more of what really we were doing when I became a black belt? Yes. It wasn't because there was some secret magic techniques. It's because I was maturing in what I was doing. I'd been doing it for long enough to start to understand the concepts and the principles behind karate or whatever style it was that I was training in at the time. And it's the same thing with podcasting or anything else that you do. Your, your mastery is an evolutionary process that allows you to start understanding the bigger picture. The, the, what does it take to go to the next level? And I don't believe you can get there unless you've already been on some of these lower levels. And, you know, I, I don't mean to disrespect my own artwork, but there was times, uh, you know, in the, in the first and second podcast where those were steps, those were evolutions. And I think this next evolution is going to be even better. And uh, I'm looking forward to putting myself out there a little bit more. I, I love it. And you really touched on a lot of uh, excellent points and deep metaphors for anything you're doing in life. You know, the journey constantly evolving. Any great athlete, business person, parent, leader knows that if you stand idle, you will be run over. So it's got to be constant evolution and continuous evolution. I think in Japanese, it's called Kaizen, where it's continuing improvement. Um, I always want to go live because I'm like, okay, anyone that knows Kaizen, holler, correct me. Um, but it's this idea of constantly improving. And, and that is mastery, knowing that once you get to the top, you, you know, that you don't know anything and you keep learning. And on the flip side, embracing being like, Ooh, we have ran some laps. We have, you know, done this. And there is uh, an expert title that goes along to it. You so eloquently stated, you know, I had this podcast and then it evolved to this one. Now I've got this new one. Well, that right there dis displays your experience and your expertise in this constantly evolving, you know, social media, digital podcasting world. Um, 
that that is the mastery is the constantly evolving open mind um, to learn and then to, you know, get better and better and better. Um, I, I really liked that you are embracing, you know, this more vulnerable raw space and leaning into your own voice as cliche as that sounds. And you are quite literally a voice master, as you said, you've got specific experience in voiceovers. Um, but when I so often work with like individual brand management, and I talked, touched on this with Josh Carey from PodMax when we did a cast about embracing your voice and really that everybody's an influencer and that how powerful it is and how much a responsibility it is to, as people on the mic, to embrace that responsibility and recognize the messages that we are putting out there. And it's really a challenge to lean into us and be like, oh, wait, am I the influencer? Am I, do I actually have all this great intel that I should be you saying? And is it, is that ego? Like that's a little icky and uncomfortable. However, when you look at what other influencers are putting out there and I'm not here to call it the bad. I'm really here to highlight the good, but you can be like, Oh, okay. Maybe I do know a little something about this. And if these people are talking about these things, well, I actually know that I've spent 10 years, 15 years, 20 years doing this. Maybe I do have something to talk about. And if I don't, it's actually a disservice to the community. So if you can flip your mindset from this is ego. This is weird. I don't know that, you know, I've got kind of this like imposter syndrome going on to wait a second, look at all this Intel that I've learned. Look at all this I've had to go through. If this can streamline anyone's process, why would I not be sharing this? Um, can you tell us, I, I, you, you leaned into the journey. Um, you said you had a unique background. Can you give us, you know, a tidbit of the background, the upbringing? I love the human behind the story outside of the skill set and the experience and the professional angle. Give us a little, uh, in-depth view of Larry, the human young Larry, uh, maybe teen Larry, college Larry, and then Larry now. Well, it starts off back in 1972 <laughs> and, uh, born in a small town called Denison, Texas. And it just happens to be the same town, town. You can tell I'm from Texas, can't you? Hey. Uh, it's the same town where Dwight David Eisenhower was born. So that's kind of cool. Uh, it's actually his, his birthplace is just down the street from my grandma's house. So that was always kind of cool. We drive by it literally every time we went to grandma's house, which was every week, multiple times a week. So that's kind of neat. But um, I was born even from day one, I was born with uh, the opportunity to only exist for a short time. I guess that's an opportunity. I was born with a massive birth defect. that was an inverted sternum. And uh, my sternum was concave instead of convex. And it was growing inward while everything on the inside was growing outward. And eventually they were meeting in the middle and my heart couldn't beat. My lungs couldn't expand. And I was going to check out. So um, I ended up having life-saving surgery where they went in. I was four years old, and they completely reconstructed my chest. They broke my sternum in multiple places. They cut ribs off and put, put them back together. I mean, they, they rebuilt everything, and obviously it saved my life. But at the same time, it put me on an interesting path because it literally changed the structure of my body. So as I grew up, I was always super, super skinny, super, super tall, whatnot. Well, super, super is a bit of an exaggeration. For my age, I'll put it that way. And, um, I mean, I was so small and so frail and so narrow. Uh, you know, my shoulders aren't very wide because of the way that my ribs are constructed now. It's kind of interesting, kind of gross, so bear, brace, brace yourself. My lungs come up here to my clavicles and go down almost into my hips because they're so long and so narrow. They're just these tubes, basically. Um, and that's because of the way that my chest is structured in a way that that was how they had to grow. You know, that was the only only place they had to go because I'm not was 
well, I'm kind of wide now, but I, my structure, the, the skeleton is not quite wide enough to, uh, to give me a, a normal set of lungs. So that left me with about 60% lung capacity. And to this day, that's, that's about what I have is about 60%. So I, athletics was always a challenge growing up, yet I still tried to play. Um, I tried going into the military right out of high school, got denied. Uh, I still wanted to be, you know, growing up in that type of, with that type of dark cloud over your head, you can't be that alpha male that you wanted to be. I grew up in the eighties folks. Alpha males were cool back then. Okay. So <laughs> brace yourselves. I'm going to talk about alpha males a little bit. All right. All the so, things hit us with. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. It's going to be all bad stuff. Yeah. Bad from today's <laughs> perspective, but great in the eighties. So, you know, I always wanted to be that tough guy and uh, I, I just couldn't, I wasn't that guy. I mean, I was even put in private school from kindergarten forward to protect me and protect my chest. Because especially in the earlier years when it was still relatively unset, you know, it was healed to a certain degree, but it could be injured very, very easily. It could have easily killed me. So they put me in private school just to protect me. So uh, I grew up in private school almost my entire life. I did venture off my 10th, 10th grade year to public school, uh, took a couple ass whoopings and went back to my private school. So that didn't work out too well. Um, and a lot of that was due to the social awkwardness and not knowing how to interact in such a large crowd of peers. You know, I, I, I looked at, at public school kind of like going to prison to a certain degree. You had to be hard. You had to be tough. And I went in as kind of a, well, definitely a poser, if you would, but uh, I, I just went in as, as kind of a thug, you know, trying to be a thug. And when you're six foot three and about a buck 40, buck 45, kind of hard to be thuggish. And uh, so I got an attitude adjustment or two before going back to the old private school where I was safe and class president and started on the basketball team and all that good stuff. So uh, that was always a struggle. And I always knew as well, you know, the 80s was the time of ninja movies and Karate Kid, which has made a massive resurgence, which I'm really stoked Over about. Kai. Over yeah. Kai. So, uh, you know, Karate Kid influenced and ninjas influenced everything that I did. I thought, man, if I knew how to fight, I could be this. I could, I could just whoop ass and everybody would, would respect me. And uh, I always wanted to do karate. But my parents never would let me do it uh, until I got a little older. Finally, they gave in and said, okay, whatever, man, go do it. So. I got into karate. Uh, I was in karate for about 25 years, hardcore. I uh, ended up uh, kickboxing, competitively fighting. And you go, well, Larry, hold on. You said you had 60% lung capacity. Were you in a disabled division or something? No, I was not. Fought against uh, fully able-bodied individuals with 100% lung capacity. I just had to train my ass off a lot harder than they did to, uh, to get to the same levels uh, that we were at, you know, and I trained with a lot of high end fighters, fighters that have fought in the UFC. Uh, Pete Sprass, a good friend of mine. We grew up in the ranks together. We grew up literally together as children. And, uh, he's, you know, he's a UFC legend, but, uh, I was your, I, wait, I got to ask, was your chest okay in all this? Like, that's really ironic. You no. were in all this protective zone, you know, school and, you know, <laughs> attitude, what have you. And then you ended up in fighting. Yep. Were your parents terrified? Uh, yeah, they didn't support it at all. My parents never went to a single fight and uh, they, they hated the idea that I would do it. But the thing was, is I didn't care. I had something to prove to everybody around me and including me. You know, I wanted to prove to me that I wasn't that, that soft, 
broken individual that I've portrayed all those years or that I was forced to portray or that I had been, uh, been, been straddled with, you know, that was, a uh, I hated it. I hated being frail. I hated not being able to, you know, run 17s in the gym. If you don't know what a 17 is, it's the width of the gym back and forth 17 times, you know, uh, we would run those for training for basketball. I couldn't do those, you know, couldn't run cross country. I could walk cross country, but <laughs> <laughs> and no one takes that into account. You go, look, dude, I've got 60% lung capacity. They don't care. Your, your, your friends don't care. Well, All they know is, yeah, they don't live it. They don't experience. Oh, just, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. You can no, some bitch. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. So it's tough, man. But that was the determination and, and, and the reason behind wanting to be the tough guy. And yeah, my chest, I, I never got hurt badly uh, fighting to, to my chest. I did get in a street fight once, which I don't condone that. Uh, but, uh, the guy was on top of me, ran down blows and he's like, I'm going to break your chest, you know? So we, we went to school together. We were friends. Um, but we had a little disagreement and well, as usual, I came out on the wrong end of that deal. But, uh, <laughs> then uh, the, the karate started and, uh, I started coming out on the, on the high end, but that was all I wanted. I can specifically remember one of the moments that it's still to this day means so much to me because, and this talks about that evolutionary process and it talks about your, your, your working towards mastery because I was just an orange belt, which is the second rank you get. You go white, yellow, orange. So I'm sparring with the black belts, you know, the black belts will spar with the new people just to kind of help them out. And they're not supposed to hit them hard or whatnot. And I'm like, man, the hell with that. This guy right here is the toughest guy in the gym. I want to beat Stacy. So uh, Stacy and I are sparring and I go at him pretty good, you know, as, as good as I could. And I hit him with something. I'm probably a sidekick because I used to hit him with a sidekick quite a bit. And that did nothing but piss him off. So he, he threw what they call an ax kick, which your leg goes straight up and straight down. And it, it landed right on the bridge of my nose. It just broke my nose. And uh, I, at that moment, I knew I was beat, right? So I ended up leaning up against the wall and just kind of slumping down. And I just cried and cried and cried. Now, I didn't cry because my nose was broke. I wasn't crying because of the pain. I was crying because of the disappointment. And no matter how hard I tried, I could not beat Stacy Rice. Couldn't do it. Well, and it, it makes sense that I couldn't do it. He's a tough son of a bitch for starters. <laughs> and, you know, he's been doing karate since he was like two. So, you know, he was a, t he was a tough guy and very well seasoned. And uh, I was, I had un unrealistic expectations, but Stacy ended up respecting me because of the fact that I kept coming back. I kept taking those ass whoopings. I kept fighting as hard as I could. I never quit. And he and I are still great, great friends to this day. Uh, and it's, it's just, you know, that type of bond that you create with somebody in that type of environment is, I can't really relate anything to it because I haven't experienced anything else that feels that way. I have to imagine the military would feel that way. Uh, you know, when you're uh, something about blood and sweat and tears, I know it sounds cliche, but it's so true. And violence, when you put all four together, it creates a bond for those that have gone through it together. And I just, I can't see it ever being torn apart. It's just such a unique experience. But we're all getting old now. So, we're, you know, I got my hobbles. Stacy has his hobbles. He's just happy being a grandpa now, hanging out. Still talks a lot of mad shit, but, he, you know, he's too old to back it up. So <laughs> don't tell him I said that, though. But yeah, the thing is, again, it was, it, was a, it was my journey into self-mastery. 
And eventually I earned that black belt. And then eventually I earned that second degree black belt. And I earned another black belt in a different style and one more black belt just to round out the top three in another style. So I just kept training. Training was life. And it was because it made me feel like I was somebody. This sounds Stuart Smiley-ish. But I didn't mind getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror because I was like, I'm this tough karate guy, you know? Uh, it, my attitude really kind of went the other direction in a, in a bad way, which again is a testament to your path to mastery because I went from being the, the, the guy that gets pushed around all the time to, I would say this in clubs, I'm not bragging. This is just how stupid I was. If something happened in the club, cause I had my club phase. I'm sure we all did. I hope so. Everyone yeah. needs a club phase. Almost oh, deaf. So, uh, if we were in the club and some, some trash talking started, I would just stop what I'm doing and I'd look them square in the eye and go, I'm going to knock you out if you say another word. And then I'd say, do you understand? And if they didn't say they understood, then I'd ask them again, do you understand? And then nine times out of 10 back down. I only had to knock somebody out once. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, was this like, was this like the nineties? Yeah, it was the nineties. Okay. It was, Cause yeah, it's it a different day and age now. Like there's bouncers everywhere, but, but I, like it. I, I think it's an energy. Oh, this is the greatest part. Okay. It, and uh, this is a bad story, but I love the story. Cause it was, it's just so kind of cool. There was a, <laughs> the Go one time it. where it didn't work, right? The one time it didn't work, we were at the country club and I don't mean like the country club, but golf, but the, 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 the honky tonk type oh, club nice. that, that wasn't my scene <laughs> at all you know but um, i just envision like roadhouse right now it is basically yeah it's basically the double deuce after it's been cleaned up just Perfect. a little bit so <laughs> this one guy that i didn't even know i was dancing with a, a group of young ladies uh and having a great time and just whatever and he starts calling me these names uh they're very homophobic and I didn't appreciate it even back then so i told him hey man just chill out i don't know what you're doing i don't know what's happening he kept going, he kept going, he kept going. I pulled the whole, I'm going to knock you out card. Seemed to work for a second, but I could tell that it wasn't going to work permanently. So I went over to the bouncers, told two different bouncers. I said, look, I need you to do me a favor because this guy over here, uh, if he says another word to me, I'm going to knock him out. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, because they're these big muscled up dudes and I'm still skinny. Never, never was real muscular, right? Yeah. I said, I said okay, well, uh, just know I, I told you. And I'm drunk and I'm cocky and stupid. <laughs> And anyways, he says something else, and sure enough, you know, old Lightning Lair, he struck, because <laughs> that was a dumb name that I went by, too. We're going uh, with it. <laughs> Lightning Larry, additional brand yeah. piece here. Yeah, yeah, I, I went by Sir Cat Daddy, and I went by Lightning Larry. So <laughs> It's all perfect. Yeah, so it's all, it's all just as dumb. So anyways, I ended up KOing the guy with, with one shot, and... Uh, uh, I, at the time, I also taught cardio kickboxing in every gym in the two neighboring towns, Sherman and Denison. And I had three gyms under my tutelage where I would go throughout. The, that's all I did was I taught cardio karate and I taught karate and I trained to fight. No wonder you were lean, man. Jeez. Yeah, no doubt, right? Yes. So uh, I'm sitting there at National Health Studio, which was my favorite of the three clubs, doing my cardio class. And I look up and lo and behold, who just walked into my class? But Mr. Shit Talker. No way. The world is a small place. Lesson it number one, y'all. Yes. Tiny. So I noticed it was him. I just kind of gave him the old super cool what's up nod. He gave me a what's up nod and everything was kosher from then on. But it was just such a small world. And I acted so stupid and I lashed out violently, which there's no justification for that, especially, I mean, you're just using words. But again, it was a different time as well. 
but I was an asshole. There's no if, ends, or buts about it. I would look for trouble. I would, I, I wish a son of a gun would say something back then. And it just, I eventually learned my lesson by getting booed out of a gymnasium. We went to a karate tournament in Oklahoma and uh, in Oklahoma, you can draw a little bit of blood in the black belt division only. They don't, they don't disqualify you in Texas. You get disqualified. If you draw any blood whatsoever, you're, you're, you, you lose. Okay. And uh, there was a cat that I got placed up against and I wasn't his biggest fan, nor was he mine. And uh, we were in the black belt division. We squared off and he landed this fancy, beautiful jumping, spinning kick like Chuck Norris. I mean, it was just glorious. And he hit me right in the chest. Didn't hurt, but it looked beautiful. And all my boys are ragging on me now. They're on the sidelines going, oh, shit, oh, oh. You know, they're talking all kinds of mad smack. So, of course, I got to get this guy back. So we go back to the line, bow, fight. And I sidestep and I punch him right in the nose and just shatter his nose. Blood goes everywhere. I'm thinking, all right, I win. I win, right? No, this dude's tougher than I thought. He just throws a little Kleenex in his nose, comes back to the line. He wants to keep going. So I'm like, okay. So (laughs) we went at it again. I essentially did the exact same thing, sidestep, blasted him right in the nose again. And his nose just exploded. And he went down. And then I did the stupid, stupid, stupid standover and pulled my fist back, like, do something, you know. And at that moment, that was a karate tournament. That wasn't even a fight, per se. It was just a little, you know, a tournament. We were fighting, but it's not in a ring, and it's not necessary. It's a different mentality, supposed to be. And uh, everybody in the gym that saw it just instantly turned on me. And they started booing and hissing and calling me names. I can see them in the audience pointing at me and going, yeah, get this guy out of here. Get him out. Get him out. And I had to drive back to town with my, my instructor. So uh, not only did I embarrass myself that day, I embarrassed him. So as we're driving back, of course, I get the tongue lashing, and then we get back to the gym, and I get the real lashing because <laughs> he put an ass whooping on me like you wouldn't believe. But it wasn't that I didn't earn it. And from that day, it wasn't necessarily him whooping me or, or anything like that. It's just it was it, after the after effects of that, didn't set well with me and I started realizing how much of a bad person I really was and how much I had allowed this learning this um, these techniques and whatnot had gone to my head and it's something that I always wanted to achieve and I thought I was there I was I was invincible I didn't care how big they were now I wasn't really but I, I thought I was up here in my dome I thought I was invincible and I would talk smack to anybody it didn't matter but the, the, it was because my ego got out of control. I, I, I lost that path or I left that path to mastery. And I, I kind of took a left turn and went to astery because I was just turning completely into an ass. And I, I, that realization was really, really powerful. And I've tried to apply that understanding and that knowledge because that's what that is. You don't gain that without the experience. And it's not just knowing, but it's, it's knowledge that you've learned and you've earned over the years through making mistakes, through picking yourself up and putting yourself back on the path to mastery. And that knowledge has helped me move forward. And it changed the way I do a lot of things in life. And it all leads back to the lesson learned from that one little tournament there. And uh, it was, yeah, it's still with me today. And it was 25 years ago, probably. So 
Those well, are the big pieces. I said those are the big pieces of the puzzle. I mean, there's so many deep metaphors in here about continuously showing up, even getting knocked down, and uh, having to kind of earn respect. And and you say bad person, but I would really just say, you know, maybe internally angry or any any young human that's in middle school, high school. Like those are such hard times, anyways. Whether it's you know a, a, a born birth defect or a learning disability, or maybe you're too tall or too skinny or too something. You know, those are such hard years to be a really whole human and really no, I, I say no person under 25 is without, even then as you get older, you really have to put in work, but you know, you're angry or you're sad or you're frustrated and that comes out and manifests in different ways. Um, but would you say kind of giving us your journey and thank you for telling all those stories. I had no idea. There's so much fighting going on. You're such a nice guy from what I've seen. So I didn't know you were kicking this much ass, man. <laughs> Glad I didn't talk too much shit. I've had enough of that. So now I just want to have a good time and laugh and smile and cut up. Good. There you go. Um, what would you identify as your one big win? Would you say it's your chest and being born the way that you were? Because that was such like the kickoff point or what would be your one big win given your us that preview of your journey? It's interesting because I think and that was another reason that I plan to put my life out there a little bit more on the forefront of the show is because my life has multiple big wins. And I know that other people have to experience the same thing. But again, everything in my life is always an extreme. It's either extremely good or it's extremely bad. Uh, growing up, uh, my, my stepfather was very violent, would beat my ass on the reg, would beat my mom on the reg, tear everything up. We grew up in a trailer. He didn't care. He just was, he was, he smoked a lot of weed, which I'm not gonna blame the weed on it, on it, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it was the weed's fault. I don't know, but I just know the guy was a dick. And uh, growing up with him was very, very difficult. And there's definitely a, a dichotomy there where you go, you grew up in a trailer, but you went to private school. Hard to balance that as well. Cause do you want to take your private school buddies to your trailer in the trailer park? You know, you want to go over to their, their swim, their, their pool parties in their backyard with all their other rich friends at their big houses. It, it, that was always a struggle too. So just a big win evolving beyond that, evolving and breaking the cycle of the violence uh, was, was a big win. You know, it's, that's not the end of the story though, man. You know, uh, I think I've told you before that I ended up becoming an alcoholic. Uh, even after the, the, the fighting ended up kind of tapering off, uh, had a couple of tragedies in life and turned to the bottle and the bottle eventually got a hold of me and it, it owned me. It completely owned me. And only in one moment of clarity, when I was on the verge of death, literally, did I somehow reach out to a friend and go, bro, get Tracy, get me some help. I'm checking out. And they did. They came in, swooped me up. I went to rehab for seven weeks and broke that cycle. And I've been sober ever since. So there's another massive, massive win because I ended up having to go to the hospital. The rehab couldn't even maintain my, my, my vitals because I was so off the charts and I was, had so much alcohol poisoning in me, they sent me to the hospital to detox wow. there for several days before they would even allow me back in to their detox. So it was insane. So that's a big win. I mean, there's just, uh, my life is filled with big wins, but again, it's also filled with a lot of big losses, but what do you let control you? What do you let your outcome be? Do you wallow in the losses? Or do you wallow in the self-pity and in the time of, of uh, desperation? Do you just give in? Or do you keep fighting? Do you turn that around? Do you take control? And do you come out the other side with your big win? And I personally choose to win. 
it's it's something that I've always enjoyed doing. I'm not a big fan of losing, not a big fan of the word no. So I say yes a lot and I continue to push forward each and every day. I think that's uh, really well said. And I, and, uh, my last podcast was with uh, Justin Balloonsot from uh, Podmax, well, associated with Podmax, the alcoholic entrepreneur podcast. It's new. We talked about addiction and overcoming it and uh, how that's a lifelong journey. I've mentioned on several casts, addiction runs in my family. So I've seen these extremes and how much of it's a consistent choice. I mean, it's, I just have really a hats off for anyone that's faced addiction in any capacity and, and overcome it because it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I love how, you know, it's this constant life skill. Like it sounds like it was in your blood from day one that you were, you know, kicked down and then got back up. There's a phenomenal quote by Charles Swindle that actually I was exposed to my freshman year of college in our athletes class. I think they're giving us easy A's. They had minimal faith apparently. Um, but it was, you know, life is 10% what happens, 90% how you react. And it's so true. It, but thankfully, you know, I, I think even those, that ability to learn or have it in your blood or something where you react positively or you keep showing up or you get back up and because life's going to continue to kick your ass and get and put you down, especially if you're out there and you're trying new things, podcasting or walking to a, a club that's maybe a little bit suspect, you know, you're putting yourself out there, you're going to get knocked down. That's part of it. But getting back up is, is really hard, but to continue to keep doing that is hard. And that's the practice. And I, and I like you said, that's the mastery. That's, you know, the, the key piece of how we continue on, how we continue to get better, how we continue to evolve. And ideally now, you know, with microphones in the super open freedom platform podcasting, we can present this example for young humans to see old humans alike or older humans alike, but really our young people to see like, here's my story. Here's how imperfect and yet perfect it is because of these trials and tribulations that I've had to overcome. And here's, here's a way to approach it. Or here's a way to ask for help. Here's a way to kick some dude's ass. It's just talking too much shit. We need to, sometimes there is a time for whooping ass. I'm really not here for violence, but sometimes you just have to defend yourself and be like, okay, enough's enough. Um, there are alternative waves, but like I said, you got to know when that line is. Uh, now with, you know, the podcast and you're in this space of sharing your story, being more vulnerable, how therapeutic has that been for you personally? Like, I know we're out here for the audience. We're here to make the world a better place. These are my varsity humans. And how has this been healing or helpful for you personally? It's, it's been tremendous in both arenas because that was another one of the driving forces behind starting my first podcast. I wanted that outlet. I wanted some place where I could talk the way Larry talks and not get in trouble, where I can tell the joke that I want to tell and not get in trouble. And when I saw this was a platform to do exactly that, man, I was blown away. And it was tremendous. It was tremendous. I can't stress it enough to have that type of platform. Now, were there repercussions due to some of the content? Sure. <laughs> you know, some people don't like those, those types of jokes, right? But again, you got to look back to where I come from. I come from Andrew Dice Clay. I come from the Robin Williams. I come from the greatest comedian of all time, Sam Kennison. I mean, all those guys were my heroes growing up. Heroes. I worshiped them because laughing is great. And very, there was very little opportunity to laugh when I was at home because Richard was always such a dick. So I, I love that stuff, man. And it was great. And to be able to go and, and emulate it to a certain degree on my own show, man, I looked forward to it. Every time we had a show, it was tremendous. Now, as I evolved, I did the readily random thing. And I, I started talking, this was post-alcoholism, but all my shows are post-alcohol. But readily random was an opportunity for me to kind of give back to the, the addiction 
community, if you will, uh, the post-addiction community or any of those that are struggling with addiction. And that was kind of a subtext of the show when it first started. Matter of fact, I believe my very first guest, she was a recovered addict and uh, she was tremendous. But I found that to be counterintuitive to my progression because what I kept doing was I kept reliving these stories of addiction, reliving these moments of rock bottom, these moments of people failing miserably every day of their life. And I think I was still too raw. You know, I was only a couple of years removed from the, from the alcoholism. I think I was still too raw to revisit those stories over and over and over again. So that's why that show started to evolve, to be honest with you. So that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, but all of it has helped. All of it's been tremendously helpful. It's been a tremendous opportunity for self-therapy, right? Or for sharing my story or more than anything, listening to stories. You know, Readily Random, again, was supported primarily by the guests. I, I didn't talk a whole lot in that show. Now, over the last probably year, it changed a bit and I started talking more, but in the, in the early stages of that show, it was just people talking and I would go, okay, well, tell us more. Yeah. Okay, tell us more. And I didn't want to put myself out there because the only self I was comfortable putting out there was was the dirty mouth uh, wannabe comedian guy. Lightning Larry. Lightning Larry. That's right. Sir Cat Daddy. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, I mean, that was it. But I, I've, I think I've evolved enough now uh, I, to tell more about me. And hopefully that's what this next evolution is going to do. And hopefully I can share some of my experiences and show people that, hey, man, you're not the only one on that journey. Uh, you're not alone. Everybody fails. It's just whether or not do you pick your shit up and, and jump back on that path to mastery. And you keep striving for it each and every day until you get that one big win. Hey, listen to that circle round. So natural, so authentic. Uh, it, it, it is going to work. It's going to be great. I can't, see the, can't wait to see how it thrives. Uh, I love how you have... Um, Embrace your own journey, embracing voice, being vulnerable, and showing people that you can be all these things. This is the base of, you know, turmeric and tequila, where it's, you know, anti-inflammatory, inflammatory, athlete wellness. Like, it's these juxtapositions. Though That's humans today. We, we wear many hats. We are all these things. We are, a, you know, a pack of our experiences that define the way we digest the world to this day. And it's really important for everyone to embrace their voice because, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we, we want this to be our professional situation and what it is. And we want to connect with people in a disconnected society. We want to show them, provide some space and grace for everyone to be themselves. Because like you were saying, when you found this platform that provided this freedom for your authentic self, that's magical. That's what life is about. And that's, you know, here at 40 years old, I don't know that I should be talking about what life's about. But up to this point, here's what I can tell you. And if it's worthwhile, you got to enjoy the days that you're here and what's going on and embrace all the, the shit with the good because you wouldn't appreciate the good without all the crap. And it, I mean, it's got to work all together and let that be what makes you, if that makes any sense, because we are also individual. And I talk about this a lot with the branding situation, particularly when people are trying to build their own brand. I actually really don't like that word, but uh, it is also my profession. So we'll rebrand that at some point. Um, but really embracing these authentic characteristics of yourself, because you can't recreate that. I'm good at what I do. I'm a great creative. I'm great at all these things, blah, blah, blah. But I can't create something better than what is sitting in front of me, whoever I'm talking to. Because I, the collection of experience, knowledge, the way you reacted, the way you showed up sometimes and didn't show up, that's all creating who and what you are. And there is 
people, there are people out there that are experiencing what you're experiencing right now and your journey journey can add to their experience now. So um, it's, it's so great. And I, I, I'm excited that you are fully embracing what's going on and bring all this incredible experience to the table that can speak to so many people. And it allows you to be that much more empathetic to people you're talking to. I mean, you have a direct experience and all these diversified situations that allow you to connect with people. Um, you talked about that bond as an athlete, you know, where you go head to head and there's violence and blood and sport and competitiveness. Uh, I can't, well, there was, I don't know if I can say violence, but in everything I've competed in CrossFit lacrosse and all my teammates. And I'm, I think at, at sports are such a phenomenal solution to, um, life learning life skills for, for our young people and in particular young women and confidence identity, but having that camaraderie and sweating together and, you know, competing together. And when you compete, I mean, you're all in, especially as a young human, that's your identity. That's so when you, you know, bleed and compete alongside with somebody, I, I hear you when you say you, it's hard to recreate that, but what a phenomenal life experience to feel that human connection and that bond forever. And that's what we need in 2020. So start making friends and go play sports. I definitely play sports, but I'll tell you this right now. I got hurt more playing soccer than I ever did fighting, <laughs> ever. ever. I went to the hospital. I believe it. I believe it. I went to the hospital twice playing soccer because I played like an idiot and a madman. I was like, ah, run full. I didn't care. Give me a red card. I could care less, but I'm going to kill that guy right there. Well, I was going to say, were you punching people in the soccer field? Like what? <laughs> were you doing karate on the soccer field? <laughs> I wasn't punching people, but I mean, I, I just, I was just nuts. Yeah, legs flailing. I mean, 145 pounds of legs just flailing around on a soccer field. So, I mean, they used to call me Big Bird because my legs were so skinny and my knees were so knobby. They literally looked like like a, like a flamingo or something out there playing soccer, but they were going all kinds of different directions. I love it. But, well, uh, yeah. You're young I, and your body's kind of growing into itself anyways. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> That's crazy. Do you, wait, so no basketball being a tall human? I did play basketball as well. I started playing basketball my sophomore year because actually my parents wouldn't even let me play sports. They thought they were stupid. And uh, so I, I didn't, I didn't play sports as a young kid. So I never had that, that team mentality. And, and two, see, I didn't know how to win. Yeah. I lost, but I never had the, the, the skill sets instilled to me on how to win because I never had those opportunities to play sports on little league or anything like that. You know what I mean? Well, so, but these like, uh, not to cut you off, but these uh, like unintentional co competition opportunities, like competing in life, showing up, having to go public to private, like all those like losses are, were like ensue to this big win to quite literally your podcast. Correct. to quit. I mean, it's all, it's the stepping stones. Yep. Most definitely. Most definitely. Pack a helmet, I guess, is the, is the conclusion. There you go. Pack a helmet. You never know. <laughs> exactly. You never know. Um, what would be like your one piece of advice to young humans? Never stop learning. Look towards oh. those that have done it and use them as an example. Find somebody that you want to be one of the, this is okay. This is great. And I love this. Gary Dunlap taught me this when I was selling cars for a short time, three or four years. He said, if you want to get better and you want to be somebody Find somebody that emulates exactly how you want to be and plug your umbilical cord into them. Love it. Influencer marketing, but pick the right ones. I right on. agree. Um, all right. Hit us with details. Where do we find you? We're excited about the new cast, the up, I shouldn't say upgrade, the, the rebrand. Um, wh where are we at? All the social media will be at Big Win Pod, B-I-G-W-I-N-P-O-D, at Big Win Pod. The website is bigwinpod.com. Head out there right now. Shoot me your email so I can let you know when the show goes live. And I'll also be holding two drawings for brand new Amazon Echo Dot. Who couldn't use another Amazon Dot in there? Alexa, play 
the Big Win Podcast. Do that for me, would you? So, That's yeah, awesome. one big win, and uh, we're going to make it happen. I love it. I appreciate you. I love what you're doing. I can't wait to see uh, where this grows to and what it, what humans you're attracting and coming in. I think it's all going to be incredibly valuable for 2021 moving forward. The world needs it. Um, so keep crushing it, Larry. I appreciate you. I'll see you at something soon. I know this. Oh, I have no doubt. So thank you so very much for having me on. This was so much fun. I love hanging out with you. You're great. Your we're energy here. is unreal. So we have a great time whenever we're together. And I had a great time today. So thank you once again. My pleasure. Blessings. Good luck with the call, and we'll wrap soon. See you later. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time, and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.